welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Two World Podcast. It is my honor to get us started today, and I am Barney, and I'm joined today with my um, co-host, and he is... Jacob! And today we are very happy that we have a guest with us. Um, Jacob and I, we've talked about the fact that we have a Google Doc, and we have a lot of ideas in there, and a lot of um, potential guests and um, one guest that we had written down was um, today's guest. And uh, I don't know why. I, it should have been a name that I was familiar with, but it never registered, not even a blip on the radar until um, Jacob was talking with today's guest. And he happened to say, wait a minute, that isn't your co-host, isn't Barney Martin, is he? And Jacob's like, yeah. And he's like, wait a minute, we went to junior high and high school together. <laughs> I said, how is this possible? Oh, yes, that's the person that we have today. So I'll I'll let our, our guest introduce himself as he wishes. And our special guest today is... Brendan. Yeah. And so Brendan and I, it seems that our paths have... Um, we have a lot of shared experience and um, a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of things that have... Um, uh, a lot of overlapping throughout... Um, our time since high school um, that we'll, we'll talk about today. Um, Brendan uh, has spent some time uh, in Southeast Asia, um, Thailand, which I I'll, obviously I have as well, um, and even Myanmar. And um, I had the chance when I was in Thailand, I had the chance to go to Myanmar just to walk across the Thai border into Myanmar. And at that time, I had no idea what Myanmar was about. Um, it was just this kind of mysterious place, you know, especially the area I was, was in the golden triangle. And so thinking, Oh, what am I going to see? What am I going to experience? What's going to happen to me? So I walk across the border and I made it safe and sound and went to the gift shop there. It's there and bought some things for my friends who were waiting for me back in Thailand still, and just walked back and got my visa renewed. And, and that was it. And I, have this great story to tell of my time in Thailand or in, and uh, Myanmar as well. Then when I started working at um, the uh, medical school, um, our medical school had a charter that um, the, the Ministry of Education required that we had 20 international students uh, each year. And uh, a number of them came from Indonesia and um, uh, Vietnam. And um, also a number came from Myanmar as well. And I had the chance then to meet a lot of these great, wonderful students from every country, but especially in Myanmar. Um, you could notice something, just something different about the students from Myanmar that's hard to pinpoint. But maybe one really good story is um, one day in September, I think, or October, I got all of these emails in my inbox from these students from Myanmar. And I thought, what's going on? And I opened them 
and it's Happy World Teacher Day, Mr. Martin. And I just, I didn't know there was a World Teacher Day. And they went out of their way to send these wonderful messages and with photos and things. And um, then when, it, to go even further than when I um, changed from that school, they also went to the, to the effort of putting together this really nice album uh, of my time there with them and with the other international students and, and the other Japanese students as well. So the, there's a real genuineness that you find with the students from Myanmar at that school. And I think probably it's the case for probably everywhere that you go when you run into someone that you can, uh, that is from Myanmar. So today fitting with our theme very well, I think exploring hospitality, neighbors, um, how, how cultures can, can overlap and, and those, those nice special two world areas. Um, we thought it would be wonderful to have Brendan on today and talk a little bit about that. Um, so after hearing my introduction, Brendan, is there anything that resonates with some of the things that I um, brought out there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really fascinating. World Teacher Day. I don't know that I know that knew that there was a World Teacher Day, but it does not surprise me that they went ahead and celebrated you because you're like the big teacher. The Seiji is like... There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, respect for teachers. And um, so it's, I think it's super sweet that they did that. And the album actually made me smile because we have some really good friends um, uh, from where we live. And they, they made us an album like of our time with them. Now, most of the pictures were actually of us, <laughs> which is kind of funny, like some of them, but mostly of us, but like they laminated it and like put it together. And it was just their way, I think, of honoring and like showing showing us that they loved us. And um, it's so sweet. It's just they they are, especially if they have the means, I think there's there's a lot of people that don't have the means to do something like that. But whatever way they can, if they can show respect or honor or be generous with you, then then they will. Um, I, and I would say non-monetarily, but um, mm -hmm. a way that's not, uh, you can just, it can be reciprocal with food. We share a lot of food, but we, we can get to that later. But I love it. And I've, I've had that we've ran, um, our, we've been in the States for a little while now, and we've met a few folks from Myanmar. And um, like our family, we all wear these like Myanmar sweatshirts like a whole family of Myanmar sweatshirts. It's pretty awesome. And you're at the, like, uh, the arches, you know, the, or the, the arch in St. Louis. And we're all standing there in these Myanmar sweatshirts. And all of a sudden, this, like, little uh, uh, Burmese girl comes running over to us. And she's like, you know my country? And we started speaking Burmese with her. And she's like, what in the world? And um, there's this instant connection because um, a lot of people don't even know where Myanmar is or what it is or anything like that so it's it is super fun when you can connect well for me it's really fun when you can connect with somebody from myanmar here because there are pockets but not where we not where we live so i remember the first time i met you brendan was at uh, a park here in worcester and i was talking with you and becca about coming back to the states for a while to reconnect here before going back to myanmar and um, I could just sense both of you missed Myanmar so much and it really had, living there really impacted you in a deep fundamental way. And 
it was kind of coming off of the pandemic. So it was, it was a complex time to talk about it because mm -hmm. <laughs> you were so sad to leave people, you know, around mm -hmm. that time. And, yeah. um, but I guess my question is, um, what is it like when you're home, but you're not home, <laughs> you know, you're back here and this yeah. is where you grew up, but then you have such a, you put down roots and you've connected deeply in Myanmar yeah. and you long to go back there and you're in this in-between time. Yeah. What does that feel like? Oh man, it's, it's, it's complicated because I think, um, you know, putting down roots is a funny thing because there are deep roots to Ohio and the land and town and it's, I, I felt those roots kind of wanting to sprout. Like it was really interesting to how I was taking stuff in, but yet culturally I had, have my worldview has changed a little bit. And so I felt kind of really out of place with, especially what was, with what was happening in America. Um, but then I'm gonna go, we lived in Thailand for five years and Myanmar for just about 14 or 15 months. But I would say our whole family, we feel a lot more connected to Myanmar than Thailand. Like our Thai language is or was better and we spent time there and like we're established, but there's, there's something and, and it's more Western, a little easier to live, like practically speaking, but for our family, like our time that year plus in Myanmar was just so rooting and so connecting. Like, it's like, this is where we want to be for now. Like this is the, the people, the warmth, the culture, the, the way that we got to interact with, with society. Like we just, I don't know, just felt right. Right. So there it's, it's fascinating that, and now we've been back in the States quite a long time, but we're like, that's still home. Right. It's like, it's some of it's a heart and mind shift that like that's home, even though we've been back in the States for an extended period, but um, it's hard to explain, but you do feel a little bit out of place. Like I, I'm like, oh yeah, my daughter likes spicy food. I'm like so proud of her, right? Or they like, they eat up the curry. I'm like, yeah, you go, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> not fair, but it's, uh, I get excited when my kids are a little Asian. <laughs> yeah it's interesting like before we started recording our podcast today um i was trying to get some things set up with our slides and um as we know barney is recording currently from japan and it's late there for him and so um brendan was saying oh the asian part of, my, of me right now is feeling really like we need to speed up for so that barney is not inconvenienced and um and i'm like oh isn't that interesting you you live a place and it really does transform your thinking and and what you value and your yeah. awareness of people and space and time mm -hmm. and um and i kind of wondered um, if you and Barney would be willing to compare and contrast a little bit, just how living in your context has left a mark on you. Mm -hmm. um, have you, are there some similar themes in your stories where you both have been impacted kind of in similar ways, or I don't know, just curious about that. Well, it'd be interesting because I think, um, even as you're saying that, I'm like, there's the Asian part of me that like feels this, um, I mean, it's really a concept. We have words for it in, in Burmese anade, but like, I'm aware, like, I don't want to offend Barney because it's taking a long time. But actually that awareness of time is quite Western of me and, and quite American of like, because Asia would be like, well, it's taking this time. And so just relax and there's no rush. Um, 
so it's really it is i'm a mix of two worlds even in that example of but i know like like japan like you guys are quite structured um so how does yeah i'd be interested how does that fit for you yeah i think uh, when i heard when jacob asked that question i think the first thing that came to my mind um was language um and like kind of nuances and kind of like the little tag words that that we have or f phrases or utterances that we don't have in in english um so i think that we find that a lot of languages they have like kind of expressions or that don't have any meaning but you just um, tag them onto the end of a sentence to to kind of bring things to a close or to kind of indicate how your relationship is to the person that you're speaking with or to add emphasis that we don't really have that in English. And I get so used to using ne at the end of sentences here in, J in J Japanese, but there's no equivalent, but I need this ne <laughs> when I'm speaking in English. And the, the best equivalent I can come up with is a. And so I wonder when I'm back in Ohio, do people think I'm Canadian because I'm always speaking in English and then throwing a at the end? because but it's just the closest thing i have to net or yo but we don't have that in english but i think that that probably the reason why that came to mind is like you say that um japan has a lot of good a lot of structure a lot of punctuality um you know a, a lot of connection through business with the west and with america so there aren't really so many differences that you notice um one one thing that when you were asking about um, on a day or that that kind of feeling of needing to save face or um, whether or not you're feeling like you're inconveniencing someone um, and then kind of feeling the need to acknowledge it um, in Jap in Japan it's probably so much the other other way around where um, maintaining harmony within the group is much more important. And I think that I've I've given this expression this um, example on on our show before, where you know you have the group of people who are trying to decide what they want to do or where they want to go or they, what they want to eat, and if someone strongly feels one way about it, um, and they express that they are strongly feeling some some way about what they want to do, even if everyone else thinks that again, you know, or go there again, they won't say it, and they'll just say, "Yeah, that's great, let's do that." Um, so that that's one thing that I notice in America is people are much more free to say, I want to do this. I don't want to do that. Let's do this. I don't want to do that. Instead of, um, you know, everyone trying to come to uh, what trying to come to a, a consensus, um, then everyone just really is much more free to speak how they feel in America. And I, that's probably one thing that I really notice. Um, but <laughs> Um, I, I've been, I've been, you know, when I'm in, since, since I've been little, when I'm in the States, people know me as being shy. So then when they notice me not speaking up, they're probably not thinking, oh, there's Barney. He's trying to maintain the peace and harmony of the group. They're just thinking, oh no, that's Barney. Of course, he's not going to say how he feels. He's just shy. You know? That's really interesting. Uh, and earlier, uh, Brendan was talking a little bit about home and the idea of home. And so I was wondering if we could take a little time to talk about your actual house um, in Myanmar and maybe look at a few pictures that Brendan brought uh, sure. that we can enjoy. 
I mean, we could even just share, like, a lot of people don't even know where Myanmar is. We could do that. Sure. Coming back, coming back to America, everyone's like, wait, you're where? But yeah, this is, this is Myanmar. So if you know Thailand and, and Vietnam and China, you're getting pretty close. So um, it's a pretty unique country uh, in the, in the far South, which is a little cut off on our map here. You actually have beaches that look just like the famous Thai beaches because they share that, that part of the land. But then if you go all the way up north of uh, Puta'o in the north, there's actually a Himalayan foothills mountain. So there's like a 20,000 plus foot snow peaked all year round amazing. mountain. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I mean, most of the country is hot and tropical or subtropical, but you do get um, quite a range uh, within that country. And it's about the size of Texas to give you a feel, but with about 50, 54 million people and um, you think America's a melting pot, but there's like 130 plus ethnic groups in Myanmar with languages and then, you know, sub dialects of that language. And um, so it's, it really is a, a unique place because um, there, there's so many different cultures like mixing together and, and rubbing shoulders. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Just the geographic diversity <clears throat> and then the human diversity, like as you're talking yeah. through yeah. Um, and linguistic diversity. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing. Um, is it OK to go to the slide of your house? Yeah, sure. Just like visuals are helpful. We, we live kind of up in the northeast um, of Myanmar. And so it's um, pretty green. We're on a plateau, uh, so it's not like palm tree tropical. But this is a picture of our street. And so there are quite a quite a few trees, and we if we don't trim the trees and trim the um, grass and bushes, it grows really fast. Um, when we first took a look at our house, there was actually like you know the big six foot like um, like cable TV dishes that we used to have around here. Like they're huge, right? Well, there was one in the back back of the house, totally covered in vines. We didn't even know it was there when we looked at the house. And so when we started clearing the land, we were like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. So. And in this picture, yours is the yellow house, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ah, yep. okay. Very nice. And then um, you had shared also that part of the moving into the house was doing renovation work. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you, when you want to rent a house, um, we, we found this to be true in Thailand and Myanmar. Um, but if the, the person renting the house will just rent it as is for the most part like if you want to make any upgrades you pay for that yourself and you do that yourself sometimes you can negotiate something in with the landlord but often they're like well it is what it is and if you want me to make a repair then we'll have to increase the price you know so like like our house the the landlord found out that the well was not good so she she paid for a deep well to be drilled so we're in town but we have like our own like 250 foot well, which is great. But this picture is of the kitchen the day that we looked at it. This and actually the next one, it gives you a feel. It's kind of an outside type kitchen, but there, there's just junk in it. There's no water hookup. There's like two plugs. Um, and so if we wanted to make it worthwhile, then we had to put some effort into it. Um, so it's kind of like flipping a house that's not yours. <laughs> go to the next one you can just see like i mean some of it's just painting and refinishing and you know supplying things that we're more used to but you have to have a vision i would say 
because if you if you want a house that kind of fits like a western mindset at all i mean like i said this is an outside kitchen free open to the to the birds and things um you're gonna pay a lot to have it kind of already meet your standards so but and then is this another shot yeah this is this is the other side of the kitchen so we had um even there we had we had cabinets made out of metal because of termite activity and um they still need painted in that picture but we we're trying to go like that rustic industrial but it really just kind of got rusty <laughs> but we'll, we'll work on it <laughs> that was that was so fascinating. Uh, Barney, as you were looking at those pictures, did anything jump out to you? Uh, for me, I mean, uh, while you're thinking, the, the, the colors, the pastels, the bright, the bright colors jumped out to me as like a very, like a cheery, like very light uh, feeling. Is that common in aesthetically, like in, in homes in Myanmar, like the this pastel, is, brighter? Well, the, we, the green of the, like, um, I guess the window shutters, that was there. And so then we just kind of built on that. So like, actually, if you, if you go back, you can see the, um, uh, like kind of the pantry cabinet, uh, we made really, is it this, is it one more back? Yeah. See here if I can. Yeah. That, I mean, that piece of furniture was there and it was just like this dull gray. And so we just went, but the color on the door, there was the original. So we just kind of went with it and just kind of built, I mean, it's still, I would say a Western color palette, but we built mm -hmm. off of what they had there. Ah. But the fact that we matched it and like made it cohesive ah. is like- Oh, I like that even better, little, bringing together of different- It's a little more Western. Like they might just be like, well, this paint is cheap. So, you know, it depends on your social class too, right? Like if you're in the main city in Yangon and you had a high paying job, like your, their apartment would look very different than this. But um, we kind of, we tried to go with what was there and accent the style of the house. This is like a 60 year old ethnic Chinese house. And so going off of like, you see the wood, like the gray, um, it's just how they section the, the walls mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. And um, so we didn't, we didn't want to cover over that. We kind of liked accentuating that as part of the, oh. the process. So it's, I love that. I would yeah. say that it's a pretty Western kitchen. I mean, even the fact that we have all that cabinet and counter space, like that's pretty Western. But so functionally, it's Western. Um, but it's kind of outside and. Um, yeah, yeah. I, well, it's fascinating too, just in that explanation, how even the style of the house was influenced by Chinese architecture, you said. Yeah, you could you could actually where we where we live, if you speak Chinese, you can get around just fine. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. So you, that, another example of the diversity of the of the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have any thoughts, Barney, in terms of the aesthetics or questions about what Brendan's shared so far? Yeah, the thing that jumped out to me also was the vibrancy of the colors. Um, because I, I know in, in Thailand, uh, where I was, that um, things tended to be very colorful. Um, uh, e even the mannequins um, in Thailand and also in Vietnam, they um, have really painted very bright and colorfully, um, way different from what we would see in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I also picked up on, on your comment where you said, um, 
you know, when the landlord, you know, kind of showed you the place and said, you know, this is it, this, it is the way it is. And I kind of like, and either take it or leave it. Was there any alternative you were thinking of in that case? Or did you kind of know that this is where you wanted to be? And then you were just kind of, it was more a mental calculation of how to get it from where it is now to where we want it to be. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we really like the area for this house, but where where we're living now in Myanmar, there's not a there's not a huge market for rentals in in general. Like most people live with their family, or they maybe they rent a room, possibly something, or they save up money and they 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 build something right. But there's not a huge rental market, so especially then you add in the fact that we're Western and we have a family, and so there's not a lot to choose from. There there were some houses that, from our perspective, you'd be like, oh, they're nicer you know they're newer fresh you would have to do less but they were quite expensive actually and so um you know you just try to look at a house like okay is there room for expansion or growth what's the vision for this like we we saw this one and my wife's like there's so much potential and then really she really gets the credit for the putting the kitchen together um but like she um there's so much potential. And I, I used to be in construction and I was like, there's so much work. <laughs> like that was my first thought. I was kind of like, no, this is not the house for us. There's too much, too much to do. Um, but when you start comparing to the other options, um, then it was, it really was the best fit. And it's been, it's been great because it's, there's outside space for the kids and uh, to play and um, we can have, have people over and which is fun and really we spend most of our time outside on the property um because we can and it's it's nice yeah you mentioned that that the landlord um was kind of willing to to work with you and 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 see that some things really did need to be um taken care of and that she was willing to to be the one to to help make that more livable um different cultures you know the landlord kind of represents different things um Sometimes you're really close with the person. Sometimes you never see the person, you know, um, sometimes you always, you work through an um, intermediary or something. Do you have any kind of relationship with this landlord? Um, a little bit. She lives about five hours away in a different <laughs> city. This is like her childhood home actually. And so there's like, there's a relative in town. So they had the keys and they actually showed it to us. But when it came time to sign the first lease, she came up and stayed for like three days while we finished negotiations and she, but she like then invited us to her hotel for breakfast you know so it was really really interesting it, it wasn't the same as like that book three cups of tea or whatever but it was similar right like it was multi-step process because she was she wanted to know that her house was going to be taken care of we we had actually been kicked out of a lease uh in thailand so we were a little like look we're gonna do this like you're not gonna break it on us right like so we you know we had our own um experience to come to the table and so um so we don't talk to her a ton usually right around the time to re renew the lease because she's not local but uh we'll, we'll send her pictures once in a while and um she's like oh my gosh you've done so much to the house thank you so much and um I think so it's been a positive experience but we're not we're not super close but we you know we painted what we wanted and we upgraded the electrical system and to what we thought it needed to be and we had the freedom to do that you know so um so yeah it's just 
so it's not it's not horrible it's not we're not buddy buddy like she's still like our landlord and that's clear um but it's it's still nice yeah Yeah, um, you had mentioned earlier one of the nice things about the house is the space that you have to entertain people mm -hmm. and to show hospitality. And I wondered if you would talk a little bit about that. Maybe give us a sense of like some of the foods that you might prepare or enjoy as you have people over and what you try to do to make them feel welcome and what sure. hospitality kind of means in your space there. Sure, sure. Well, and it's, you know, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject one thing before sure. that, but it ties into food. So there was, um, there was a guy down the street who was like, a, I guess like a tailor and like do like sewing repairs and that kind of thing. And I had him fix a few things for us. And um, they spoke a little bit of English because we had just arrived. And, and so I, he repaired one thing for me. He wouldn't take my money. He's like, no, 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 because I mean, it was a small repair, but he's like, no, 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 we're friends because we, you know, we're, we can speak English and we can kind of communicate. He's like, it's okay, no problem. So I was like, all right, well, thank you. But I'm, I'm like, I want to pay him for his work, you know. So then I had a few other things. He, he wouldn't take any money. So then we, I, we took them some food and I put some money into like kind of the package. And this is where like on a day, this like he was really offended that I gave him money. Luckily, because of the language and we, we share it, we were both um, Christians. So we actually, he, he brought up and we shared like through, through a Christian perspective that we could talk it out. Cause I was like, well, in my culture, I feel offended that you won't take my money because I wanna, I wanna support your business. And, but he's like, but I feel offended because you're my friend and I want to do it for you for free, right? And so we were both coming from our worldview of, um, wanting to love and support the other person, but it was like completely opposite of how to do that. And so, um, I can't remember if he took the money or not. He may not have, but he took the food. And so now I haven't taken any more repairs to him because I, I, I still feel a little bit like, I don't want to just receive your services. Now, maybe when we go back, I might, but what we did start doing is like taking them food. And so that helped us kind of like at holidays, like our holidays, we might make cookies or something and just distribute them to our neighbors. And um, what we found is that food is the currency of love. Like money, no way. Like, during, and then we were there right as COVID was hitting. So we were trying to ask some people like, do you have needs? And like, you, it was very clear, like they don't want our money. Like that's, because we're friends, right? They don't, they don't want that from us. But you take them a meal, well that, go, that means something, right? Like you, you saved them the money on a meal and probably we put a lot more meat in whatever we would take than they would take make mm -hmm. right or so you're giving them protein and like it can be generous even but we were amazed that like we'd be trying to do homeschool or study language or something and then in come the neighbors with like this huge dish of like um kind of like soup and meat and like organs like all you know <laughs> you're like oh awesome i mean actually it was pretty good but like we froze part of it because we just couldn't eat it all so like food the hospitality goes with food right and um but you you do that and it just builds relationship and it builds um community like our when we left the country we're like hey we're, we 
when you and you just tell people like we haven't seen grandma and grandpa for three years and they're like go yeah go right it's fine but they like all just showed up at our house to say goodbye we didn't like we didn't we didn't say like oh come we're leaving but you know the last times you kind of go around the neighborhood and talk to people are like well we're leaving at one o'clock on whatever day it was and then they just started showing up and it's frantic you're trying to count suitcases and make sure luggage tags are on because there's five of us in our family it's like and they're all like just talking and hanging out it's like (laughs) but it was so touching and it was a really um a really happy i mean we i think we we that's one of the reasons we feel more connected in in myanmar than we did in thailand we just got to know lots of reasons but we got to know our neighbors better it was easier i don't know is it easy to know get to know your neighbors in japan because like in thailand like the neighborhood where we live like everybody they leave in the morning for work the gates shut they come home and go in they shut the gate and you never see each other like it's just not maybe you might see the older folks walking a little bit but that's about it. But in, in Myanmar, the gates are open and you sit in their shop and that's their living room. And, oh, you know, if they invite you behind the counter to sit in their chair, they just invited you into their house, you know, and so you're, it's all really fluid and um, different. But in, in Thailand, it was really hard to meet, to meet our neighbors. What is it like in Japanese culture? Yeah, um, my, my wife's mom, um, she grew up on a farm and in kind of a more rural area, but still in the same prefecture, actually just maybe 40 minutes or so from where we live now. And so she, and where she lives as well is um, uh, her neighborhood is smaller and a little bit more spaced out. So she she has this earthiness to her where she really is kind of more, you would see her and think more traditional in the way that she approaches things where she, um, you know, she calls out to the person that she's approaching their house to, you know, or um, she'll stop and chat with people on the street um, and and just hang out with them, you know, in, in the garden or wherever they are. And she applies that to where we are, where, you know, it's, it's a housing community where we are now. So there, there's, there's no farms, there's no big gardens around. Um, and then our, our neighborhood, our, our neighbor has um, their daughter, one of their daughters is the same age as my oldest son, and they go to the same kindergarten. And then so she goes over there and she calls out, instead of ringing the, the doorbell, you know, the intercom, she, she calls out and says, hey, are you guys ready to come with us to school? You know, and that, that is really, it's, it's, it had been the norm that everyone would kind of do this with, with their neighbors, especially if you're in the same housing area. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's less and less. So, um, my, my wife is, and, and the same with, um, my, my mother-in-law, she, you know, that the other kids who live in the area, if she sees them going to school, she'll say, you know, have a nice day at school or she'll say, welcome back to home or she'll, you'll, she'll just kind of chat with, with, um, the kids in the area. And, and, and that's, that's, that's normal, um, to, to do that. And, and I, I can do that. My wife can do that. Um, but, um, my wife is more, we're kind of aware of each other and, and what, you know, how everyone's growing and, and, you know, 
what school they might be going to or what at least what grade they might be in. Um, but there's much, 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 much less interaction with neighbors than, um, uh, than what you see, I think, in Southeast Asia. And um, my, myself, I'm, I'm even less aware of what our neighbors are up to. And I think that's from where I grew up in the U.S., where um, our neighbors were not close to our house anyway. And so you just don't give them a second thought because they're not in your vicinity by any means. And, um, you know, you always see the tableau on TV where, you know, I need to borrow a cup of sugar, or I need to borrow some eggs or something like that. And, and so like you, you get that sense that it's an option in America. But when I posed that to my wife once, when we were kind of, we were in desperate need of, of some staples and she said, not a chance. You know? <laughs> really? Don't even, don't even think that thought let alone act upon it <laughs> not a chance <laughs> not a chance no way that is um really infringing upon the harmony of of the group there and um and that would be a thing that if if i had done it maybe maybe but how could it be repaid it would be impossible to kind of square that huh like yeah. you might have been able to get away with it because you're mm, because i i don't know better right you're still a foreigner yeah. right like yeah right yeah but mm -hmm. oh mm -hmm. my gosh mm -hmm. now now would that have been acceptable in like your mother-in-law's setting in a more rural setting or more uh, like a smaller town community no um i think not even then um it, it, over there it's it's much much freer people people readily um give each other produce because i mean everyone's farm everyone has at least a, a moderate garden so they they have a lot of extra vegetables one and they they readily give that to one another um or you know they say i've got all these blueberry bushes and, and i can't or, or you know persimmon trees and i can't eat all of them you know you help yourself um but um you wouldn't if if you're in trouble you would just hop and hop on your bicycle hop in the car and go to 7-eleven or something yeah. instead of you know pestering you know, yeah, you, you wouldn't be like, really oh. don't want, um, you know, like the home, there's, there's a barrier there. Yeah. And, and there's, there's even a few phrases you have to express when you're entering someone's home. And, and one of them is translated as, I'm very sorry for interrupting. Um, and so if, if you go there and ask for something too, then it's just really, it wouldn't work. Like I'm making a cake. I need a cup of flour. Like no way you didn't prepare well enough and that's not my problem it would, so it would be step one would be how do i hide the shock that i'm feeling uh -huh. and step two would be to recommend oh did you know that 7-eleven has flour you know something like that yeah, and yeah. then and then step three is take a hint and go stop bothering me <laughs> you know <laughs> of course, people are very kind to their neighbors and they help one another. We we have, you know, a community note thing that goes around and we have, you know, a trash pickup that Jacob and I talked about last time, um, a few times a year. We have events together, um, you know, as as a community and there are groups within this community that, that hang out often. But that kind of interruption or possible interruption of daily life is, is not, um, it's, just, it's not just acceptable. isn't done. 
Yeah. Yeah. Although it's interesting, like, I don't know enough. <clears throat> I don't know if I would go ask for an egg or I would feel a little weird doing that. I mean, part of some of it's like we are the outsiders, the expats, like we're automatically wealthier. So they might just be like, why don't you just go buy it? Especially like auntie next door has the eggs. Like you don't need to borrow an egg from me. Like just go buy your egg eggs you know like there is there is some of that but i don't know if it would be like mortally offensive if you needed something is there not the same sense of um, set apart space in the home like there is in japan and myanmar is it is it a little bit more open less of a barrier entering the home um do you take off your do you remove your shoes yeah. do you have do you have any statements of kind of respect for the space as you know you just say hi well actually we would say have you eaten yet that would be the big question like that's the that's the traditional greeting like you hear like the greeting like mingalava that would be like hello and how are you right like really formal mostly you would just be like did you eat yet sabibila and if they if you say no you might get fed so you kind of you have to be like yes <laughs> unless you want to eat um but i think yeah, it's, well, let's see here. Our friends that have shops that are also their homes, we get invited into. Like our, our friend, actually the auntie that sells the bananas, it's like, it's basically there's like a one kind of one room stall and then like a second floor where they sleep. And that's their convenience store, living room and kitchen. And then there's, there's some sort of bathroom shower area in the back. I haven't seen that. But um, so it's, you know, if I'm just purchasing something, I'm outside the space, but, I, but we're close enough that I can go behind and they'll invite me in sometimes and tell me to sit down and, um, and that's been fun, but that comes with the relationship. So in that regard, the space, it's all one. They're, 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 I would say, I mean, and it's with the situation there now, um, more people are like being kind of pushed into more poverty stance um it's it's way less developed um but like i don't know that i've been invited into what we would say maybe like a i don't want to say proper but like a standalone home that has different rooms like we haven't really been invited to into a local person's home like that you meet outside you meet at the tea shop or something like that um and even when we invite people to our house, rarely do they go into kind of our living space. Um, usually we end up kind of, we have kind of this courtyard. And so kitchen is like pretty open because it's open and connected to the courtyard. And we'll set, we'll, if there's big groups and we'll eat on the ground, like out in the courtyard. And so I think they feel more comfortable there. If we do anything in the, like our living room, then they'll, they'll sit on the floor instead of the couch, you know, like not quite comfortable, I think. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. But I would say even like that to have like a house that's like, as we would say, like aesthetically put together, it's it's a privilege. It means you have money. And then um, you would only invite certain people into that space. Um, yeah. Hmm. Oh, can you both, I mean, in your own way, tease out how these two practices around 
house and home and space contrasts with life here in Ohio and the typical way we would invite somebody or not invite them into our space. I mean, I don't think guests here in Ohio typically would like go into bedrooms and look at people's bedrooms, but mm -hmm. there is sometimes a interest that people have to see the various rooms in your home, sure. like a little tour. Yeah. Sometimes you give a tour, but how would you guys tease out the distinction between our sense of hospitality and space versus uh -huh. Myanmar or Japan? You want to go first, Barney? Yeah, I, I, I always felt like, um, especially when I was um, in an apartment and maybe I needed something fixed, you know, I, I always really felt that um, it was not my responsibility, but something that I wanted to do for the person to, you know, would you like something to drink? Can I get you something? Is there anything I can do to help you make, you know, have, have your time here be more comfortable? But that's not the Japanese way to do it. You know, if the person is there to fix something in my house, they're there to fix something in my house. And, and then that's, that's it. I think that really relationships tend to be very, very defined. And um, if you try to um, reach over that, that um, line of, of definition, then it gets confusing and, and people don't appreciate that so, so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was, when, live growing up my parents were always offering you know someone coming over here have this you know here's something to eat something to drink something like that um you and in terms of um visitors i think jacob and i talked about this maybe even in the last episode where um people things change right away if someone takes off their shoes and enters your home um you know then you have to get started and you know make tea and have something and things like that and it has to be it has to be kind of a, a process so um people understand how how much they sh want to it not want to impose but how much they feel like maybe they can impose if, if you're really earnestly inviting them in um but yeah, there's like Jacob says, there's that sense of I I I like the way that I I had a real um what strong hand in the way that our house was designed. I like the way that I got our house designed, and I know that it's really different from how our neighbors' houses are designed because I've been in typical Japanese homes. So I'm kind of proud of that. So I would love to be able to show. <laughs> my neighbors, look at how cool I designed our house. You know, I really saved a lot of space. Look at how awesome this is. You know, don't you guys think it's awesome? But, um, but I've never once set foot in one of my neighbor's homes. I have, I can only imagine what their houses look like on the inside. And wow. yeah. And once I, my one, our one neighbor, she, uh, I, when my wife wanted to speak with her, about something and I was like, and we just ran out, ran into each other in the street. And I said, hey, can you come in for a minute? My wife wanted to ask you a question. And and she was <laughs> taken aback and, um, you know, and I was like, oh, oh boy, I, I did it this time, you know, but it's too late. And she, <laughs> she did say, wow, you guys have a really nice house. I love the way you designed this place. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I thought to myself, yeah, that's right. Well, hey, you know, it takes an outside perspective sometimes to uh, to break the mold. 
but um yeah there there really is i think i think that so much of of any relationship in japan is very defined um because it, it, even into the language you know you have to decide what type of language i'm using um it, you know i can have two or three verbs or two or three words that are the same verb which one should i use for this person it depends on our relationship who is lower who is higher um and and so everything a lot not everything but a lot of things about japan the language the culture everything where people are, are in school are to keep these this com these compartments in place and um and, and yeah and it really really works the way things are here in japan it really works um but trying to to you know erase the barrier a little bit make things overlap it that that's when things stop working when wow. when people are no longer on the same page yeah wow so was with with your neighbor you inviting mm -hmm. your neighbor in what was mm -hmm. the offensive part was it that you as the man invited her in or was it just that you like spontaneously were like come into my house yeah right yeah so it wasn't necessarily offensive just surprising um that uh that i wanted someone to hey can you just drop by um you know there was something i wanted that, that my, my wife wanted to, to ask you real quick um you know now's the chance that's what i was thinking now's the chance they've been tip you know my wife has been saying for all these weeks you know i want to ask her about this thing i just don't have the chance to talk and it's like hey come on i'm let's get things going hey, here yeah, that's right. <laughs> right yeah right um so yeah, it was just, it was surprising for her, but, but then, you know, of course, um, I'm not Japanese. So then, then I think the surprise would wear off H had a different neighbor who's Japanese asked her that then she would have been like, Whoa, what in the world is going on here? And does it mean like know. crisis or there's like scandal or is it just like, it's not how, it, how would you invite someone to your house? Like, how would you like, non-offensively culturally probably invite someone in <laughs> there there would have to be some reason um that. that you need to meet at your home like a practical reason oh yeah it would i can't even guess to be honest um especially if they're the neighbor why not just talk on the street um you know on our road you know, in, instead, I can't even think, you know, um, even if it's like, you've got to taste this cake, I just made the best cake in the whole world. I know you love cake, you've got to taste it. Then I, I, I can't invite you into my house, I'll just bring you a piece, you know, and, and give it to you and you can eat it in your home. Um, there's, there's just no, I, I can't say, I've had the the worst day today could you just come and sit with me and have some coffee or something there's not there's not that either um it's where just, do people like hang out with people they like like where do they hang yeah, out with friends? yes like, right yeah there's lots of cafes so you know meet it's always meet somewhere meet somewhere meet somewhere um or um yeah or in the case of neighbors then yeah um my one neighbor he's he's a, a police officer he's very good at talking with people he and i chat uh, often and it's he he understands my kind of 
quirks and whatnot that that I'm really bringing a way different perspective to the conversation. And I, I think he appreciates that. But yes, we just chat on the street. You know, we, we're both standing outside, both chatting, watching our kids while we chat, you know, but, um, but then, but then, yeah, that's it. But you don't reach a point where he's like, why don't you just come over for, for coffee or tea? No. Yeah. I mean, it could be, it could be, Hey, America's playing Japan in ice hockey. I know that you love ice hockey. You want to come over and just watch the game together? You know, I love ice hockey. You love ice hockey. You know, if he does, um, you know, let's watch the game together. No, that wouldn't be. You have to find some sort of restaurant that I, I, that happens to be showing the game. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Would you call the establishment and be like, "Okay, you're a sports <laughs> right center, whatever. Can no, you come no, on the no. hockey game? Like, would they do yeah, that no. too, or no? No, but um, but you oh, know, like yeah. like I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it would be so fun if you could have a way to see how how people in Japan watch have been watching the World Cup. Um, you know, I think that the the scramble. The crossing in Shibuya, I think, is pretty famous. I think Primo kind of have an idea of all the thousands of thousands of people that, that go across that that um, that intersection when the light is green for them. Um, every few minutes, you know, thousands of people go across it, and and for the World Cup, it's just packed with people in the streets, standing there watching it on the big screens, you know, and restaurants and whatnot, and viewing centers, and you know, pe- people gather there, but. I could never never say, why don't you come over and watch the game? My TV's bigger than yours. You know, (laughs) it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't work. Since we're talking about that, Barney, um, uh, it just, it connects with something else that I'm interested in um, with, with gaming. And I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. like when when we were young, sometimes we'd have somebody over to our house, maybe a friend from school and we'd play video games together. Yeah. Um, now I know in Japan there's quite a there has been a robust arcade scene, so you could do gaming with friends in a joint common space. But like when I think of Nintendo and their products, a lot of their games are couch co-op games where somebody sits with you and plays. Is would it be assumed that that they're all family members? Um, when you're doing mm-hmm. couch co-op, it's all mm-hmm. it's a family mm-hmm. thing. It's not oh, having yeah. a over from school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our the commercials that we get for for games are definitely it's it's the family getting together. And yeah, and um, yeah, I grew up with that with that too. You know, I went over to my friend's house and we played that yeah. game, and Kate came over to my house, played this game. But um, I will see um, neighborhood kids with their switch and like the kickstand, and they set it up in the park. Oh, and nice! That, yeah, I, you know, in, in solves the problem. My yeah, park, yeah, terrible. yeah. Thankfully, the switch has finally. <laughs> gotten the answer to be even able to get friends together to play in the same space oh and also if you use the online play you could play with a friend and they're in their home and you're in your home and then you yep. are so yes. but, but the but yep. the switch in that portable mode enables mm-hmm. playing together mm-hmm. in a different space mm-hmm. i like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. brilliant okay yep. would you yeah. <laughs> can you i mean so could you invite your son's friends over to the house or is that a no-no too no, uh-uh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, no. No we, play dates. We would, yeah, play in the park or just play in the road here. You know, because I mean, I mean, cars don't travel through through our where we live. Um, so yeah, it's some some. As I said some like neutral site. You know, some some place where everyone 
meats. Um, and, and then when you would go there, you could take like snacks to share and things like that to share, but, but it's, it's, it's this common space that no one had to prepare anything yeah, to get yeah. there. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, me, me too. When I was little, I was always over at my friend's house, you know, and, and in his house and, you know, doing this and they were over at my place, but it's not, yeah, there's, there's too much sense of, um, if something went wrong or if someone felt uncomfortable or, or if something happened that um, it would strain um, the relationship between the families. Man, I keep having conversations. I keep having questions. I'm like, couch surfing? <laughs> Dude, are there like Japanese couch surfing hosts? Like how would that work? You know what I mean? Because it's like opening your home and like, I bet, I mean, there, I bet there's, there's got to be some, but they would be the like fringe of like Japanese culture, the avant-garde, like 20 something, right? Like, mm. yeah, I think that it's probably something that changes once you have a family, you know, I mean, you know, people who are, who are in their high, uh, university or whatnot living apartment. Yeah. I mean, then of course, yeah, they get together with their friends. They have, they have house part home parties, whatnot. Um, but it's never a case of like just dropping by. I was in the neighborhood, you know, let's hang out. It, it, there's something that gets arranged first. Yeah. And yeah. I love it. Well, it, I'm sensing from your reaction to Barney that the situation is different in Myanmar in terms of space. It's not, it's not a parallel there. Yeah. At least, well, at least from our experience too, because we, we were there for mostly COVID really. But, and I'm wondering how so, like socioeconomic status and class plays with my situation where I think, I mean, I, I know there's diversity in Japan, but I maybe I'm sensing that there's a higher disparis or disparity, disparity so where we are. Yeah, yeah, because like we would look like the super wealthy, um, but we're not. I mean, and, and there's people with a lot more money than us. But then um, you look around at our neighbors and they look, like I said, they live in that one, kind of that one room type place, or they share a house with 15 members of the family. And so their sense of privacy is very different. And um, we actually, we have been invited to a friend's house. Um, I, I like a more like freestanding house with rooms and, and we were invited in and we ate around the table, but there were tons of other people there, right? It wasn't just like one family with one family. It was like extended family. And then, so it is very different. Cause then it's like the cousins and the uncles and everyone's a, I mean, you need to know, you need to know age and status. Similarly, like, are you older or younger than me? I need to know what to call you, right? Are you like, I'm like, oh, the auntie. Well, you would never call an older lady here auntie. It'd be offensive, right? But there it's like, oh, auntie, like it's an endearment because you're you're old enough to be my auntie, right? And so it's say auntie or uncle or whatever, you know, if someone calls me uncle, it's not it's uh, fine, right? If they're well, if they're as long as they're younger, like plenty younger than uncle, right? But you need to know big brother, little brother. So you meet people, oh, this is my brother. Are they their real brother? I have no idea. But that's like, it's totally, it just expands, right? So yeah, like that, that one time that we got invited, there was all the extended family was there and we all ate together and it was fantastic home, a lot of home cooked food. And then, um, and then we ended up 
hanging out in like another room for a while and the kids played and and that kind of thing um from what i understand and 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 my language is not like i'm not fluent at all yet we've only been learning it for a year but it's not as definitely not as rigorous or as uh, as many variations i think or requirements of you've got to say this or you've made a mistake it's i think it's a lot more informal in in that regard and um I mean, the reality is like if they don't have a ton of money, the living room becomes the bedroom, right? You roll your mat out and everybody sleeps on the floor. And that's just, and that's the same. Now, if there was a separate bedroom, yeah, I wouldn't really go into the bedroom unless, unless there was a reason to, right? Like I, like our language helper, she lived with her brother and we gave her like a fan for her, like a Christmas present or going away a present or something like that. And so then I went like a wall fan. So I went to install it. So I got to go into her room to install it. But like, it's like right there, the brothers there, you know, like it's, it wasn't like all removed in the corner. It was like quite open. So, but otherwise there, I would never go into her bedroom ever. Um, but I had my drill and I had my tools and I went to do the job, you know, but yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think there's wiggle room. I think there's, there is grace and, and we're, we're Westerners. So I, I know we get some slack, I'm sure, cause we just don't know all the protocols and they're just happy that we're trying to learn the language and trying to um, live there. They're like, what, <laughs> what do you, you know? I go to the market with three kids. First of all, I'm a man doing the shopping and the kids are with me. Oh, I mean, it's abnormal and they love it and they know us and they see us coming and you just, you just rock it, rock it out, you know, but it's, so it's kind of like, um, it's a buy in some ways. Um, but I, I imagine, and I've heard like the more language we know, the more we understand, the more you kind of like, Oh, I'm sure we would start changing our patterns a little bit. We're not doing anything so offensive that people won't be with us, but it's not, I'm sure we would learn a lot and we'd be like, oh, okay, we can, we can change that a little bit or how we communicate or whatnot. Um, but there's always something, even if someone comes to work, there's always like a snack or water or something like that for people. You would, I feel like you would always offer, or tea, like um, just some green tea that would be like prepared, a big thermos of it and offer something. I remember I went to a training seminar once on intercultural um, competency. And one of the things they talked about is when you encounter dissonance, this kind of cognitive dissonance, when your culture and traditions are different than the environment where you're living, some people will throw themselves into it wholeheartedly and mm -hmm. be enthusiastic and embrace it. Mm -hmm. Some people have the reverse reaction and are very critical about all mm -hmm. the differences. Um, but the deeper level that you get to is when you kind of move past those two extremes and you start integrating the good that you're encountering in that mm -hmm. new culture into yeah. your life and kind of um, putting it alongside the good that you bring with you from your home yeah. culture. And yeah. so I get a sense in talking with you both that that's, an imp that that's happening in your lives. And I kind of wonder if you could just talk briefly about like, what is the, what are those good parts that you're um, receiving 
Is that in fact how you're understanding your experience that you're taking this new culture and making it part of your life and it's shaping you and maybe just a few little brief thoughts there about what it means for you each to kind of be recipients of a new culture mm -hmm. and how you process that. Sure. Um, yeah, it's sometimes I find that it's hard to put my finger on things. I think there's like a there's a worldview shift of I'm just aware that things are not always as they seem or um, sometimes either it's, things are more simple than we make them or they're more complicated than than we realize right like well I don't understand why this leader is doing that well if you understood the political structure of that country then you might have a little more um, wiggle room in your appreciation or disapproval of that leader because it's not the same system that you're used to and so if you apply the exact same standards it's it wouldn't work right so i feel like that affects me right because i'm just like there are other views to the issues that you are thinking about um i think i mean i'm i'm not a I'm not so collective and in, in, I'm still American, like I make decisions and I would want my voice to be heard and I want my kids' voices to be heard. But I also realize that my response, I'm like, it's like in, in, certain, in certain situations, like our, my COVID response was different than like the American COVID response was very much about that individual person. I'm like, what about like community, communal health, community yeah. health? What about the, the, the people that were sick and you don't even know it right they look normal but you don't know what they're pro you know so like i just had this feeling of like i i'm much more pro community i guess and communal good than just my own individual no i don't like i don't actually like wearing a mask but i'm gonna wear it you know like being willing to put your individual stuff aside for the greater good that said, I'm still American, and there are other moments where I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm responding in a very American way to, to whatever it is. But I appreciate that I have like a new set of understanding. Yeah, I don't know. Expan expansion of culture, expansion of food. Um, I don't know. Barney, you go, and then maybe I'll, I'll think of something more specific. I was trying to be vague, so I'm not no, trying to like, touch on like yeah, that, that's what I was asking. Topics. Yeah. No, I think that that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great point um, about thinking about thinking really community centered, um, thinking about how other people might be feeling, um, especially thinking really thinking a lot more of of how your actions affect others. Um, I, again, in, in America, it's kind of like, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Um, it's me, you know, I'm, I'm from America. We're independent, you know, but, um, I think me, I wonder if it's maybe a little bit harder for me to kind of think of, to see so much of what maybe I've integrated and what is just me because I, I've been here for, I've been in Japan for 18 years and I kind of became an adult while I was here um, started to mature. And so I think that I, I adopted 
a lot of things, maybe knowingly or not knowingly, but, and, and maybe a lot of them, um, a lot of the things about Japan just kind of meshed with who I am as a person. Um, I, I like the having, knowing where I stand, you know, in relationships and, um, Japan, one thing that my one coworker, he's so frustrated by is Japan has these sayings, you know, um, you know, he kind of says, you know, um, you know, if A happens, you should say B, you know, and so he says, oh, you know, you know, something happened and he wrote an email and he said, oh, I just got response number 547 from somebody, you know, you know, instead of putting any thought into something, they just wrote the typical response that you get from that you should say in that, in that case, you know, it might not be how that person's feeling or not, but there is thing, thing, I think, thankfully, there's a phrase that you can say or some things that you can say that smooth everything over where um, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to say how I'm feeling. You don't have to say how you're feeling. I can use this phrase that plugs in and everything's fine. Um, I, 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 I like that about Japan. I think this, that it has this structure and everyone kind of knows, um, you know, there's, there's, there's ways to, to move around and, and to feel independent and feel, um, you know, your own creativity and how you are as a person. But um, there's also, you kind of know where there's less ambiguity, I think is, is one of the things I really appreciate and um, probably has just probably really matched with my personality um, from the beginning. I kind of like that. Um, yeah, I, I think really, yeah, the biggest thing is, that I really appreciate is, is seeing, seeing the good of, of the community first, you know, people in Japan for forever, you know, if you feel a sniffle, um, or if it's flu season, you know, then you wear a mask, or if you've been sneezing at your home, or you have a runny nose, and, you know, we, we spend lots of time on the train. So you wear a mask. And then now, um, since COVID started, you know, of course we wear masks. We always wear masks. So let's just always wear masks. You know, it's what we do. And, um, and everyone, everyone really gets along. Everyone appreciates that everyone, you know, I'm looking out for myself. I, you know, you might have symptoms that, that I don't know about, and you might think that I have symptoms that you don't know about. So I, to make everyone feel at ease, I'll wear a mask, you wear a mask. And, um, and everyone feels comfortable. And then, you know, they they have announcements on the train that says, you know, please refrain from talking on the phone. So that's what we're used to. So when I ride on the train in America, it's like, why is it so noisy? You know, why is everyone on the phone? Is that okay? You know, um, and, and, and people, you know, they said they have the announcement, the automated announcement, you know, please refrain from talking on the train. Now, you know, in the COVID time, you know, people used to chat, what? And, and then now people don't talk on the train. People are quiet, you know, out of respect for the people around them. And um, I think that that really is, is nice that everyone's caring about, you know, even though we, we all know where we are, we're all in our private space, have our own compartments, and, you know, we, we know where we're standing and whatnot, but we're, we're still watching out for everyone and, and know that, um, you know, I may be, this might be me. This is who I am. This is where I am. But I'm part of this group, and um, 
and I want to make sure that everyone else in the group is feeling appreciated and respected too. And I, I really, I, re I really like that. You know, it, sometimes it feels like it could be to the extreme and that maybe people could, instead of giving response number 547, they could really just say how they feel once in a while. But, um, yeah, as, as a whole, it, it, there's, there's really a harmony to, to this that I, that I appreciate and, and really value and, and glad to be a part of. Oh man. Okay. So I totally get all that you're saying. And this is probably where I'm, whether it's personality or merit Westerner, I don't know. I'm like, so do you ever feel like, like with this, the guy that's like, well, I got response number 514. So two questions come to mind. One, how do you ever like, how does like business relationship work? How does it move forward? If you're always getting a like prescriptive answer, right? Like, like you, you have to solve problems and that means you can't you have to think through something you can't just give a, a scripted answer the other thing is do you think there is like a sense of do these like if it's a relational question do these answers actually smooth it over or are there a lot of people with repressed like anger and frustration and feeling like i've never heard like how does that factor in like just like a normal healthy level and not like you need to know everything that I think but like you know I, I feel like it could lead to repression of feelings and thoughts and ideas <laughs> yeah I, I think it's um for, for business functioning and whatnot yeah it's it's um I mean first of all everyone except for me um everyone knows that when you you know go to this place or that place you should be prepared with all of these things so that everything, you know, when they ask you, do you have your personal seal? Yes, of course I do. Why would I come here without it? <laughs> In my case, uh, your, um, your stamp, you know? Um, so in my case, I go to the bank. Do you have your personal seal with you? No, of course not. I'm sorry. I can't help you. Please come back when you have it. So then I learn <laughs> yeah. and then I'm prepared. They're prepared. It runs smoothly. Um, so by as, as far as, um, you know, again, painting with a broad brush, Japanese people get kind of are known for not expressing their feelings. Um, you know, you, you kind of, uh, you see about people being coming across as very stoic, um, you know, and, and so these phrases give them the chance to express some feeling and let you know that they're feeling this feeling. Um, so I, I, you know, if I know someone and someone that was close to them passed away, you know, I really want to say how sorry I am. You know, that was a big loss that you went through and I know how much it hurts, but I can't say that in Japanese. It's there's not a real way to express it. And if I express it, then I'm asking them to show emotion too. So instead, I can say the phrase that says, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, blah, 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 blah. you know, and then they say, you know, the response, you know, the automated response that, that the match that goes with it. And, and we didn't express our emotions, we didn't say all that was in our heart. We know that each other feels 
you know, you know, you know, if, if I'm some stranger and I go to some guy, you know, you know, it's like, oh, wow, you're, you're dressed in a suit. You must've just been in a funeral. You know, I, you know, I feel your, your pain, you know, that has no meaning. But if, if my neighbor, you know, lost their mom and then I say, I say, you know, phrase number 313, and then they say 314 back to me, then um, we, we know that we understand each other, even though the phrase that I've said to them, they've heard from everyone else in the neighborhood, the exact same phrase. Yeah. And then they give the exact same response to that person. Um, then, then you still, you're on the same page. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, I think I, I always get confused if it's high context, high context, low con- context, you know, uh, in American English, I think it's very, um, I think, I think if I, I, I'm going to get it backwards. I have 50, 50 chance. Let's just say it's very high context. So you have to say everything in American English. Um, you have to have subject, you have to have verb, you know, object, direct object, indirect object. You know, if you don't say it, people don't understand. There's too much ambiguity in Japanese. It's the opposite, very low con, very low context. You don't always have to even say the subject and people are people understand what you're talking about in in the sentence just saying a few things so i think i think that that really permeates the culture where uh there's a lot of unspoken things that people understand is there is there a space for open emotion like in the family in like husband wife like is that where it's allowed like that's where you can cry and curse or you know question is that is that the space for that yeah yeah right yeah and um you know i think and then in in the work in the work relationship um you know i i don't know if it's true i don't know if you've maybe seen um what is it um mr baseball the tom Selleck movie and then there's there's the one there's the one line and there he says um, he said, I, I heard that it's true that if you're drunk and your boss is drunk, you're allowed to say whatever you want to each other. Because <laughs> the movie takes place in Japan. I, I, personally, I don't know that that's true. But the, the work relationship is really also like a family. And so it's, it's okay. You see, sometimes you see people have a, have a tough time at work. Or um, you do something nice for someone at work. And, and you'll see like the older people get teary, you know, and express emotion. So, you know, th- this, this kind of stereotype that people have, the Japanese people are so stoic and, and don't express emotion, you know, uh, even to their own family, that, that part is not true, but, but yeah, there, there is, I mean, since it's a stereotype, there is some sense that, that emotion is not expressed as much as you, what you would see in other cultures. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're here to talk about Myanmar, but I'm like, oh, man, I'm loving learning about Japan. It's fascinating yeah. to me. I mean, that's something that I've taken. It's just like I love culture. I love learning. And so, like, even, you know, Thai from a Western perspective, Thai culture and Myanmar culture is very similar. But they're not the same. I mean, they, they, objectively, yeah, they're more similar, but they're not the same. So even, like, Asian culture is... There's commonalities with what Barney and I are talking about, like saving face and respect and honor and hierarchy, but yet how it functions day to day is very different. And so it's like, it's, um, it's fun. Like I, I, it's one of my favorite things to talk about and learn about. And 
It's awesome. Yeah, and I just think it's amazing that you both went to middle school and high school together and here, what is it, 25 years <laughs> later or however long, you know, you're reconnecting and finding out that you, your life trajectories had some parallels here that are quite yeah. significant. Yeah. And um, so what a joy that is. And you probably never would have guessed in middle school that either one of you would be talking today about this, you no. know, these intercultural experiences, but never. yet that's been a beautiful part of the story. And yeah. so that you share now. Um, and so um, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we close our time? Yeah, I just wanted to say not to not to make it go too long, but um, when I was teaching at the university and, and preparing a class um, based on a when to talk, um, I, I it worked out in the lesson that I needed to look up the um, the giving index um, that ranks each country on on how much they give from time or money or um, whatnot, and um, I I shocked my students by revealing the list of the top three and the top, you know, the top 10 and the top three countries. And of course, the number one country and the students that I started off talking about um, at the beginning of the episode, they knew right away that they were number one. And hearing Brendan talk today, um, it's really clear that you see that, that this giving index is measuring giving in ways that are not just donations, financial donations, but in a number of different areas. And and when I hear him talk today, I realize, yeah, it really is true that Myanmar is the country that gives the most, that their citizens give the most to others. And um, and when I hear the way you say that people re, re, you know, relate to each other and relate to you and your family, then I see that, wow, this country really is such an amazing giving place. And um, like you say, a lot of people, you know, when I was, you know, just 20 years ago in, in Thailand, I thought, well, what is this Myanmar or is it Burma or what should I call it? It's so mysterious. Um, but it's just this hidden gem, I guess, you know, where there are, it must be, I can't even speak. There are all these great people that are, um, you know, giving and so, focused on community and neighbors that um, hearing your stories today was just so great to to see that and and kind of put that in context for myself. I really appreciated that. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I, I never would have guessed that either. Um, so, I mean, I feel like it's got to be whatever index they're using, it has to be a kind of a more holistic mm -hmm. um, index, you know, like, because I was like, well, people give money to the temples, but that's, you know, more of like a religious type of obligation. And, um, you know, Myanmar is not known for having big, you know, philanthropic um, organizations or they're not, you know, they're like USAID, UK aid, like, you know, countries like that are giving money for development and Myanmar's, you know, they don't have those types of resources. Um, but I think in terms of, if there's if if it's a holistic kind of matrix and it is it's like it's uh it's i feel like it's a free-flowing hospitality or giving you know like you hear like middle east middle eastern cultures or like i think ethiopians are pretty well known for hospitality where it's just it's a big deal but it's like maybe more regulated i guess you know culturally regulated whereas i feel like Myanmar, it's 
it's just less it's just kind of free-flowing and organic but it's it's actually encouraging for me to think think through that like to view them as a really giving culture um they're op- they're giving and smiles. I remember when I first the first time I went to Myanmar, I was like, "Wow, it's more open than Thailand." There's it felt like uh, I love Thailand. I love the Thai people that we got to know. Like, um, but there was something that seemed freer somehow, and um, that makes me smile. As you're talking there, Barney and I are both smiling too. Just hearing you share that, and I think that's a good place to stop today. We hope for our audience, too, that this has been inspiring and informative, and maybe hearing this will make you smile as well. And we're grateful that you took time to watch the video or listen to the podcast and follow along with the stories that were shared. We hope, too, that you'll take something away from this episode that you learned or that you appreciate that will be with you in the week ahead. Thank you again, Brendan, for joining us. Thanks for Um, having me. It's our pleasure. And until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.